You are listening to the Passion City Church Podcast. To learn more about Passion City Church, including our gathering times in Atlanta and Washington, D.C., visit us online at passioncitychurch.com. Today's talk comes from Pastor Louis Giglio. We're coming around this idea of putting an X through anxiety, and I believe it can happen. Amen? I heard from so many people last week who said, my friend that lives in another state struggling, and uh, I sent him the link to the talk, or I know some friends whose son is really in a dark place right now, and they're going to try to get their son to listen to the message, and so I just say that maybe realizing today again that some of you who are joining into the talk right now are joining in because a mom or dad or brother or sister or friend sent you a link and said, hey, I think this will encourage you. And just through that lens today, I want to say before we go too far into the talk that there are a few bigger ideas that I want you to know. And if you're in the room and you're leaning into the talk today, I want you to know. And that is that I respect anxiety and depression. And it's, it's not to belittle my faith in God to say that depression is real. And it can take you out. I mean, out, out. And so to come in and just brush off and say, oh, you know, we, we believe in God and we have faith. And so let's just brush depression by the wayside is not a good strategy. And if you're linking in today, I want you to know that that's not what's going to happen in this talk. Um, I know when I was in the pit, like the way down pit, that I couldn't get up off the floor. And so what I really didn't need was somebody to go, here's three things you can do that will help. And so I just want to put that out there today as you're leaning in with us. That's not the spirit of this talk either. Um, I know what it's like when you're in crisis mode, you're in crisis mode, and you need help. Um, I had an amazing doctor almost from the the drop. Uh, An interesting God circumstance. He had been an emergency room doctor in the past, but he was presently practicing as an orthopedic surgeon. And Shelly was having back issues, and she had met this doctor, and I'd met him, and then I kind of crashed into the darkness, and he knew about what was happening to me because it had happened similarly to someone in his family and because he was a brilliant emergency room doctor and he just knew how to come alongside me in that journey. And he knew what I needed to hear, what I didn't need to hear, what I needed to do, what I didn't need to do. And he was an amazing gift to me. And so I just want to put that out there as well today. I believe in God and the supernatural power of God and in the filling of the Holy Spirit, but I also know that God has created some of us on earth to be very good at understanding the human body and the human mind and the human soul. And it doesn't belittle God for God to use someone that he's gifted to understand the human body and the human mind and the human soul to help his children to move into freedom. And so there doesn't need to be a big gap between our faith and a doctor or someone who can help us. And I always say, if you need help, get help. And I want us to make sure we understand that everybody's different. So there isn't going to be like a one-size-fits-all solution. And that's not what putting in X-ray anxiety. It's just a little tiny book. And if you're in a real crisis zone, you look at a little book like this, and you just think, you know, there's no way. You know, that this little thing can help me. 
But this little thing will say right from the beginning that there's not a one-size-fits-all solution. It's not a Band-Aid. Everyone's different, and it's a process. And so I just want to keep saying that. It's a process. So if, if you're not completely changed, but by the time you leave this building today, that's okay. God is in the process with you. And so I want us to understand all that. And if you are on the other side of depression and you've never experienced it, no one in your immediate family has ever experienced it, I want to encourage you to lean in with grace to people who are in it. When I fell into that hole, I went into a place that I didn't really know existed. And I was blown away by how, how dark it seemed and how hopeless it seemed. And I was like, man, is this what people have been talking about? And I wanted to just rewind my life and go, I'm so sorry that I didn't understand that when you were struggling with depression, that that's where you were. But as I started talking about it more and more, I was blown away also by how many people were either in that place, had been in that place, or had a a husband or a wife in that place or a son or daughter in that place or a coworker in that place. And I realized in, a, in about a span of a few months that a lot more people than I ever imagined are on antidepressants and all other kind of medication to help them navigate life. And I had not been clued into that because I'd been on the other side of it. And so I am not happy that I went in that hole and I don't ever want to be in that hole again, but praise God that I went in that hole that at least I have a clue about the hole. And I, if you don't know about that hole and today you're like, hey, I'm fine. I get up every day and just tell myself I'm going to have an amazing day and applaud myself on my way to work and believe that the best is yet to come and I'm, you know, just been doing that every day in my life, then God bless you. We do applaud you. But lean towards someone else and don't despise them because they might seem a little more fragile uh, than you. So those are all my presuppositions. I just wanted to get them on the table. And if you're still watching, and maybe you dialed out already, um, but if you're still watching, I just wanted you to know that's where this message comes from, but that's not where this message ends. This message doesn't end in the triumph of depression. This message ends in the triumph of Jesus. And Jesus is greater. And so having said all of that, I can say Jesus is greater because I'm giving this talk today. And that is my main illustration today, that Jesus is greater. And if you go, oh, that sounds too easy. No, I'm not, I'm not telling you it's easy. I'm just telling you it's possible. And Jesus is greater. If you have scripture today, I want us to look at a psalm that really reflects what we're talking about. And in Psalm 42... The psalmist here is writing about a struggle. Specifically, writing about someone who's known the goodness of God, but now feels like they're under the weight and the pressure of the world. You know what I'm talking about? So they've, they've had the high with God, but now they're down in the low, seemingly without God. And the struggle plays out really beautifully. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night, while men say to me all day long, where is your God? 
These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I used to go with the multitude, leading the procession to the house of God with shouts of joy and thanksgiving among the festive throng. I used to do that. But now, here is where I am. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. My soul is downcast within me. Therefore, I will remember you from the land of the Jordan, from the heights of Hermon, from Mount Mizar, deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. By day, the Lord directs his love. At night, his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forsaken me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy. My bones suffer, suffer mortal agony as my foes stand against me, saying to me all day long, where is your God? And then the psalmist repeats again, why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior, and my God. The psalmist is giving us a snapshot of a lot of our journey. I've been there, but now I'm here. I, I, I want to get back there, but I don't know how to get back there. But I know enough to say to my soul, remember the old days and remember where we've come from and put your hope in God again. The whole story of this is, why be downcast, O soul? And as I was thinking about being downcast, it just is a snapshot, I think, of what anxiety does, what stress does, what depression does. It just pulls us down, word, until we're downcast. And when we're downcast, we're looking literally down at the situation, at the problem, at whatever's making us anxious. And God is saying today, it's possible again to lift up your gaze. And that's what God is encouraging us in today. Uh, someone on our team sent me an article uh, last week that was uh, fascinating about this downcast thing. It was an article about text neck. Have you heard about text neck? Text neck is a, a major thing that's sweeping through the world. And it really just talks about how the weight of our head and the pressure that it puts on our cervical spine increases with the angle of our downcastness. And as we're looking down at our phones all the time, and just notice that when you're in the airport or walking across parking lot or wherever you are, how many people as they're walking are looking down, how many people as they're sitting are looking down, how many people on the plane are looking down, how many people in your den at home are looking down, we're all spending all of our time looking down. And it's not just about looking at our phone, you might be reading a book or looking over your notes for your talk as I was on the way here today in the car. And as we're looking down, the normal human head, which weighs 12 pounds, begins to put more pressure on our cervical spine. In fact, we have an image of it so you can kind of see what's going on. But 
Um, this doctor who is a, an amazing doctor of spine surgery, he puts it this way. He says, if the head tilts 15 degrees, the 12-pound head is putting 27 pounds of weight on your cervical spine. If your head is down 30 degrees, 40 pounds of weight is being put on your cervical spine, 45 degrees, 49 pounds, and 60 degrees at the end back here, 60 pounds of weight. So now, not your 12-pound head on your shoulders, but now it's as if you've got a 60-pound head on your neck. Text neck. The more you look down, the greater the weight is on you. And something that did weigh 12 pounds now is putting 60 pounds of pressure on your spine. And it's the same way with our soul. The more we look down, something that is a real issue and maybe weighed 12 pounds now feels like it weighs 60 pounds and has the result of 60 pounds of weight on our life. And God is saying, why be downcast? You can put your hope in God. And this talk is a simple journey about lifting our gaze and lifting our head. I found an article parallel to reading uh, this other article in Psychology Today. And the article is called, Look Up, The Surprising Joy of Raising Your Gaze. And psychology today unpacks how looking up into the sky and looking up into the starry night reduces stress in our lives and reframes our circumstance in a very helpful and positive way. But we're no longer looking up at anything. When we're walking through downtown, we don't even look up at the amazing architecture. Uh, we don't have any churches to come to anymore with the big giant domes and these cathedral ceilings and the spires that go into the sky to lift our gaze. Now we come into, you know, places like this and, you know, places that used to be a Home Depot expos and refurbed uh, movie studios and grocery stores and all kinds of stuff. And our, our eye-level view isn't that inspiring necessarily. That's why, by the way, we really put a lot of energy into the design of our buildings because we know we're not going to have anybody looking up when they get here, but if people just look at eye level, we want them to see things that inspire them. But God is saying, when you're walking through downtown the next time, look up. When you're outside in the yard next time, look up. When uh, Shelly's great at this. She's got a, a I don't know, 15,000 photographs on her phone of the sky. <laughs> we got all the skies you need, all kinds, all types, all times of day, all colors, all locations. I mean, it's just like we walk outside. Oh my goodness, you know, wham, wham. We got every sunset that's ever happened in the history. We got all of those, a lot of them. And I think maybe that's one of the reasons Shelly isn't all stressed out all the time. Because she found the surprising joy of raising your gaze. And so I just asked today, when's the last time any of us went outside, walked around, looked up at the tall trees, looked up into the sky, looked at the clouds, saw the expanse of the canopy that is above us, or went out in a night sky and looked at the 2,500 stars that are visible to the naked eye and just 
wondered at the expanse of it all. And so the world's got us in text neck all down here. And all the wonder is up there. And you're like, well, no, I got a picture of this guy on my phone. <laughs> and with my 29-pound neck weight from my head, I'm enjoying it. I'll be having surgery in a few years. So what is the process that we need to lean into of maybe lifting our gaze? I just want to lift a few things out of this psalm and offer them as a roadmap for us in the process. And the first one is this. I want to encourage you that we lift our heads by remembering the narrative that we are in. What depression wants to do is it wants to define your whole existence by the paragraph that you're in or maybe by the page that you're in right now or on or the, maybe the chapter that you're in right now. And I'm telling you, we all have some really hard chapters, amen? And what the enemy wants to do is define your entire story by that chapter. And what God wants you to do is remember <clears throat> that you're in a big narrative. Verse four, the psalmist said, these things I, say it with me, I what? I remember as I pour out my soul. And then look down a few verses, if you will, to verse six. My soul is downcast within me, therefore I will what? I will remember you. And I want to encourage you today that memory is one of the most powerful rehabilitative forces in your life. And God uses this all through scripture as he encourages you and me to remember Remember what? Remember that you're in a big story of God. And yes, you may be in a chapter called cancer or a chapter called I'm going through a divorce or a chapter called my kid is way off in Never Never Land and I don't know if they're gonna make it back to good decisions and back to the place that I've been praying that they would be or maybe it is a dark cloud over your life or it is a season of a low or maybe it is a journey of depression. I'm just telling you that is in the story but it is not the story. And you can take control of that. And the way you take control of it is, is that you just remind yourself of the story. And if this sounds simple, then just understand where it's coming from. I'm not just, you know, doling out advice today. I've been there. I know it's a hard place. But something as simple as I am a child of God and that is my story is a powerful tool toward lifting your gaze. Because if you don't have a bigger story, then you are stuck with all the weight down here in the paragraph that you're in right now. You have to look up and go, yes, this paragraph is not great, but the story is great. I was created by God and I'm gonna end up with God. I'm going to the house of God and I'm gonna dwell there all the days of my life. That is my story. I am uniquely created by God and I am on a journey through Jesus Christ being saved to God and my future is with God 
And even if this journey never completely ripens on earth, it will fully ripen in glory. And I will have no suffering, no tears, no sorrow, no darkness. There is no depression where I'm going. There's no anxiety where I'm going. There are no antidepressants where I'm going. Because the antidepressant is where I'm going. And and there is no sun because his glory lights eternity. That's where I'm going. Now, right now, I'm in this little hole. But I want to make sure that I, even in the hole, and even if I can't jump up, I want to look up. And remember that I'm in a, a big story. Maybe it would be as simple as Jesus is okay. We did a message here called, I'm not okay, but Jesus is. See, the enemy wants to stop us at, I'm not okay. I'm not okay. I'm not okay. I'm not okay. I've been there. And God wants us to add on, it's okay to not be okay. Amen. But you got to remember that Jesus is okay. You got to put the rest of the story in there. So I'm not okay today, but Jesus is okay today. So I want to put hope in the fact that my Jesus is okay today. And I'm connected to him. So even though I'm not okay, he is okay. I think I'm probably going to be okay. That Jesus is greater. It's not just a bumper sticker, a little Instagram post. Oh, Jesus is greater. No, it's a, it's a real story. He really is greater. He got depressed into the depths and rose up by the power of Almighty God, and he triumphs over everything coming against you today. He's greater. And just putting that as the narrative over your story lifts your gaze to him. God is not finished. That'd be a great line just to put over your life today. I'm in a hole right now, but God's not finished. Is that helping anybody just to remember that you're in a bigger story today? The second thing that this psalmist tells us, which I believe is so powerful in terms of lifting our gaze, is to inject a song of praise into the darkest night. I know that sounds, you know, counter culture to dealing with depression, but that's what he says. Why are you downcast, verse five? Oh, my soul, why so disturbed within me? And then here comes his remedy. Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my savior and my God. By day, the Lord directs his love, verse eight. At night, there's where the trouble is, by the way, if you're in a hole like depression. At night, his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. If you don't feel like you can sing, praise God, a lot of other amazing anointed singers are singing, and they're on Spotify. And you gotta get them on. If you don't feel like you can dance around in worship, there are other people who are dancing around in worship, and you need to get them into your space on YouTube. And you need to inject into the darkness worship of the living God. You're like, I don't know about that. That, I don't really feel like it. Well, that's the deal. 
To move through depression, you have to do a lot of things you don't feel like. And as we said last week, it's okay to have feelings, but the train wreck happens when you let your feelings lead you. So it's fair enough to say I feel sad today, but it's not good to say I'm going to let the sadness take the pen and write the story of today. And one of the ways that we can fight this, and it took me a couple of months into my hole to really figure this out, is worship. Worship is a weapon. We say that a lot, a passion. And I saw it poke a hole in this amazing shroud of darkness and let just a little pinhole of light in. But a pinhole of God's light is enough light to start changing the circumstance. You don't really need like a whole beam of light. You just need a little tiny ray of light if it's God's light. And have you noticed that when you're depressed that you stay inside? Have you noticed when you're depressed that you don't open the curtains? Have you noticed when you're depressed that you keep the shades down? Have you noticed when you're depressed you stay in bed and in bed you put the covers over your head? Why? Because the enemy wants to block out the light. And one of the best ways to get the light in is through worship. We were going through a little bit of a a trial, Shelly and I, last year. Some things were happening in a situation that we were connected to and the enemy was really trying to get into this situation and really rip some things apart. And there wasn't much Shelly and I could do about it except pray. We were kind of on the outside looking in um, and praying about it. But I'm telling you, it was about a two-week stretch before God miraculously resolved it, which was beautiful and amazing to watch. But in that two-week stretch, I bet I, so- I sang that song, I Speak Jesus, a thousand times. It was just on repeat. Jesus for my family. Jesus in the streets. I speak Jesus. And that was what was allowing me not to get under the 60-pound head of the anxiety of how this thing was going to resolve. It was by injecting into it the power of worship, And that happened to me in my journey of coming out of depression, and I've written about that and shared about it, talked about it a lot, so I don't want to do that again today. I just want to encourage you today. You have the power to open Spotify and press play. And it might not change everything in 45 minutes because you, you've spent 45 weeks getting into where you are. It might take 45 weeks to get out of where you are, but you gotta have a turning point somewhere. And the turning point is when you press play on the song of heaven. And I'll tell you one thing about this too, and I just say this gently. When you look up in worship, it allows us to remember that God is central and he needs to be central in our affection and our worship. And when we are in one of these holes and our heads are down, we have a tendency to worship the thing. And people say, no, we, we're not worshiping the thing. No, you are. Because every conversation you have is about the thing. And I, I found that. I started listening to myself when I was in this hole. Every conversation was the status update on my anxiety today. The status update on how I was managing today, how I was negotiating today, how I was feeling today. And all the conversation was about the anxiety. 
Therefore, the thing on the pedestal was the anxiety, and the thing that got all the attention was the anxiety, the thing that got all the praise. I don't mean praise like we praise you anxiety, we worship you anxiety. I just mean I talked about anxiety all day long. And what you talk about is where your heart is and where your eyes are and where your worship is. And I had to make a decision. Anxiety is in the story, but it's going to need to get talked about less than the God who is writing the story. Depression is in the story, but depression is going to need to have the volume turned down a little bit. And I'm going to need to press play right now. And I want Jesus' name in the story. And then the third thing, just trying to give encouragement on the process, and I know it sounds very simple, but it is really simple to take these small steps to lift our gaze up to God. It's to exercise your right. This is the last thing. To hope in God. As a son of God, even if you're not a believer yet in Jesus Christ, you're still created by God. You're not connected to the vine of Jesus yet, and that's an important step that you must take in life. But even just as a person who's listening to this message today, God cares about you, and he loves you. He uniquely made you. He designed you and brought you to life for himself, for his glory. And because you are made in the image of Almighty God, you have a right to hope. But if you've been born again through faith in Jesus Christ, sins forgiven, past washed, wrongs made right because of the death of Jesus Christ, you now have Christ and you have the Spirit of God in you. You are now in a family where you call him Abba, Father. You have the right to hope in God. And you need to exercise that right. Because at at times, you know, we want to look to God to say, okay, you do it. And then he's looking back at us and going, okay, you do it. Hope in me. Why so downcast, O soul? Hope in me. Why settle for a paragraph-sized story? Hope in me. I'm hope worthy, you hope. And the psalmist knew this, and so the psalmist started talking to himself. Why are you downcast, O soul? Put your hope in God. I'm gonna praise him. I don't know when I'm gonna get back to the house of God. I used to go in there, and I was like the loudest one of the whole posse rolling in to the house of God. And I don't know when I'm going to get back to the house of God, but I used to be like one of the real loud ones when we went to worship. But I can remember those days, and I'm going to put my hope in God. And I'm going to praise him, my Savior, and my God. And I just want to encourage you today, that may sound like a simple step, but maybe your your step today would just be to say, God, I'm going to hope in you. I'm grateful for my counselor. I'm grateful for the doctor. I'm grateful for my friends that are praying for me. I'm grateful for my church and my pastor, but I'm gonna hope in you. 
I'm gonna hope in God. I'm gonna exercise my right as a son of God to hope in God. I'm gonna exercise my right as a child of God to hope in my God. To say, God, I I really do believe in you. And, And you know, things haven't really changed dramatically in the last three weeks, but I still have hope in you. And I'll never forget the night that I was lying in bed after Shelly and I had been through hell and back for months with this thing. And I said to God, I believe you're a healer. You didn't heal me yesterday. You didn't heal me today. Well, technically it's two in the morning, so it's not really a lot of the whole day, but I'm not healed right now. And as far as I know, you're not gonna heal me tomorrow. But you are a healer. And I started praising him for being a healer. Isn't that powerful? How simple that was. That was the turning point for me. You're a healer. And I'm going to praise you tonight because you're a healer. I started singing a little song of praise to him about being a healer. Oh, no, he hadn't healed me and didn't heal me. And if I'm really honest, I didn't really totally get healed the next day either. But that doesn't negate the fact that he's a healer. And as soon as I started praising him for being a healer, guess what? I was exercising my right to put hope in God. And I'm here today to tell you that he is a healer and that he did heal me. And I'm in the process of being healed right now. And I'm just telling you, some of you have relinquished your rights as the children of God. You've just given up your rights. The good rights. Not the I want my rights rights. We don't have any of those as children of God. But all the good rights. The right to his word. The right to him. The right to worship. The right to hope. The right to believe. The right to declare. And to speak into what isn't. What is. That's your right. Is to speak into what isn't. Who is. That's your right. And I believe if we'll just take hold of these things. They'll help us lift our gaze. And in lifting our gaze, we're going to see something happen in our soul. Amen. Amen. You with us, Trilith? 515. If you were encouraged by today's talk, be sure to rate us and hit subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you stream your podcasts. To experience other talks, videos, and live gatherings, visit us online at passioncitychurch.com or download the Passion Movement app. And again, thanks for listening to the Passion City Church Podcast.